You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now, here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. Well, happy Wednesday. The Making of a Marketer is back for another afternoon of fun. Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo here with you. And Jess, it is a great fall day. We're a week away from Halloween. So uh, are you geared up for the season now? Or are you a Halloween-y type person? Yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely but I, I love spooky fun. So I'm not spooky, scary, spooky fun. My firstborn daughter, she's really into it already. I'm very excited to go trick-or-treating. Uh, she, she is pumped and yes, it's going to be very exciting. So I was corrupted by my sister when I was 10 years old. So she showed me uh, Michael Myers Halloween and I'll never forget. So I'm watching it. My mom comes out and my sister, she's 12 years older than me. So we're, you know, different, you know, brackets here. And my mom comes out. She's like, what are you showing him? And then she would show me these movies. My mom would walk out and she would be like, well, he likes it. And then she'd flip the channel and wait till my mom leaves and then put it back on for me. So it like became this thing later on once I got a little bit older where we used to binge horror movies together. So uh, that's something that's deep within our family and uh, in our tradition. But I like fun Halloween, too. I like all Halloween. So this is like th this is my time of year. I don't think it gets better than this. It, it's fine that you bring that up because I just saw a display with a, a poltergeist. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Mm -hmm. And that is the only scary movie or horror movie I've ever watched. And it was at a sleepover, I was remembering, in fifth grade. And the mom that whose home we were staying at, she was like, what are you watching? Like, I don't know why we even watched it, but I got so scared. I could not sleep for a week. And then, I mean, so that is my foray into horror movies. There have yep. been not since then. I mean, there is a thing to that, not watching certain things right before bed. See, see, this isn't horror, but I never learned, is I used to watch things like Game of Thrones, like 30 minutes before sleeping. You know, that's not, that, that's not ideal, <laughs> but... We'll get back to that Halloween marketing. Let's touch on that before the end of the episode, because I, I have some thoughts on this. But 
First, we're bringing on Steve Turney today, owner and executive director of the Mental Health Marketing Conference. You may remember him from several episodes back. Steve, one of our absolute favorite guests, favorite episodes. And I was lucky enough to be a part of this conference a month ago. So we're going to touch into a little bit of some post-event recap, event marketing strategy, and just want to pick your brain a little bit on some of the things you've been working on um, over there at the Mental Health Marketing Conference. So first off, welcome. And second off, thank you for an amazing event. Very, very happy to have you back here today. Well, thank you so much, Andy and Jess. I certainly remember our first conversation and it was a delight. And uh, and then, yeah, you just crushed it at the conference. Um, I, I need to send you the post-event survey that we send out every year because uh, Lots of glowing remarks for you and your work and what you did, in addition to so many of the speakers. So I'm stoked to be back. Very appreciated. And it was just a great energy over there. It's one of those things, you know, you come into events and speak. It's It's been a little bit for me since I've done one of these. So you build off the energy and the positivity and the vibes that were there. And it, it was wonderful just to, to be a part of that. And I was selfishly really happy that she put me third on the list, I think it was, uh, because I could let a few people get the, you know, get get going a little bit first before I go on stage. So that was that was awesome and overall a great experience. So uh, let's just kick off with that. Tell us what you've been up to since the conference. So there's a ton of planning that goes into that, I know the event itself. And then I know we're in this period. Is it is it like decompressing afterwards? Is it analyzing? Like what happens after a large event like this for you? Yeah, it's for me, it's something of a hero's journey. And my brother pointed this out, actually, he, he enlightened me to this is that I just go into this focus mode of shipping this event. And because it's deadline driven, you can't do it the next week. You know, you can't, you can't procrastinate on or, or push out a deadline anymore. So, you know, when we kick off at 1 PM, we're kicking off and it's going and the plane is going to be in the air. And if you leave your luggage in the airport, so to speak, then say la vie. So um, there's some, there's some showmanship to that. There's some pressure that comes with that. Um, and it just aligns perfectly with my personality. And so you know, you go through that or I go through that journey and then I come out the other side and this year it's been tremendously uh, fun because we got so much great feedback. We're learning from all our mistakes from prior years, uh, having done this now seven or eight years. So if you really do listen, there is an opportunity to learn, you know, from perceived failures or things we did that we could do better. So there's that. And so that's buoyed me. Um, and I did go down to Atlanta and watch this race called the Le, Le Petit, Le Petit Le Mans is what it's called. I have a hard time saying it, but it's like a 10 hour road race in Atlanta with my brother, who's a real car aficionado. Um, I'm not necessarily, but it was just like a different world for me. So it was a good place to escape. Um, I also got sick after the conference and just my body was like, okay, I, I got you through those days. And now um, I'm going to come collect for a little bit of energy and, and get you back in order. Um, but all in all, I'm, I'm actually ready to go. I'm in planning mode for 2024. I think we've got a great thing and uh, want to make it better. So that's that's my mindset and what's kind of happened since the three or four weeks since 
I got to see you uh, present in person. Very awesome. And I know that the next event will be just as wonderful. So Jess, I know that that from my side, like something that I, I, I it's deep down, I know this, but I don't think about it is probably just the amount of work and time, like you're talking about, you're already lining up 2024, you know, just we talk about event marketing with a lot of our customers. It's something that I think is insightful for all of us to kind of learn the mechanics of it. Absolutely. And I was going to say what I love about Steve talking about the hero's journey. Absolutely. That just made me think about Steve, how you've been reflecting like you know the hero reflects at the end reflects on the lessons they've learned and how you've been reflecting on LinkedIn and I've loved it I I feel like I was there just based mm -hmm. on what I've seen uh you post on LinkedIn post event and the stories that you're sharing so it's like I can feel the energy and keep it up Hmm. I will. Yeah. I mean, the conference is this apex moment in time and it's beautiful. It's wonderful to be there in person. You can't replicate it. And at the same time now, because of, you know, past learnings, we're sitting on this treasure trove of high definition video content that plays and uploads so beautifully into LinkedIn now, whether it's, you know, square format or vertical video or, or you know, whatever you want it to be um, and, and captions and everything. So there's something to be said for event marketing early and often, you know, both the planning and promotion. Sometimes people do the planning great and then they forget to promote it. And I do get the occasional snide remark um, from somebody like, oh, yeah, you're posting a lot on LinkedIn, you know, and it's like, yes, I am, because you don't see it every time. You know, most people don't see it every time. And the earlier you can lock in the agenda, get your brand campaign, what I call a campaign for the year, kind of the look and feel that reinforces um, that just in every sense, this is what this event is. This is what it looks like. This is what it's going to be. Um, the earlier you can get into that, then, then you can take advantage of what I call bluebirds and happy accidents. So, you know, when you're down to the 11th hour, sometimes it's like bluebird of an idea will fly in from me or somebody else. And if you don't have the bandwidth and everything in place, you can't capitalize on that. You have to say no. Um, instead of saying, oh, actually, we have we have some some space, we can think about that, um, maybe or maybe not execute on it, but certainly at least uh, entertain the idea. Uh, and the same for hacks, happy accidents, which are things just that just happen in real time. And I needed to get better about this, about uh, delegating and, and bringing more people around me to do things better than I can do them, like spreadsheet work and project management and marketing um, but I'm getting better at it and I can see myself be able to be present in real time. And, and so that's kind of like the left side of the bell curve, so to speak. And then you have this summit moment and you try to make the most of that, but then really it's the long tail now that with social media, you know, I'm already reinforcing 2024 and getting more emails than ever about what's the, what are the price, what are the ticket prices, you know, for 2024? And is it going to be at the same place? And I'm excited about that. So I need to captivate on that too. I need to capitalize on that and just have, have it ready earlier than ever because people are already looking for 2024. And there's also the opportunity to kind of share the wealth of this video and these quotes and comments, like the one we posted of Andy the other day talking about 
How long should your videos be on LinkedIn? Well, what a great question and answer in 12 seconds to get that nugget. Um, so yeah, the more you can plan. And then, you know, if we're talking hero's journey, the last idea might be um, sort of the caves you fear hold the treasures you seek, you know? So it's always hard to read the post-event survey, but you need to do it. You need to, you need to ask those hard questions and then listen because once I get over my ego, then um, there's a lot of there's a lot that makes the event better. So I'll do that um, just to all the audience, and then I'll pick eight or ten people intentionally, and just do kind of a one-on-one -on -one deep dive for 45 or 60 minutes. Um, and then some people approach me proactively, and I always welcome that. Um, so the, those are some of the secrets I've learned along the way to to get better with the planning and promotion. So let's talk about the creative aspect that goes into this. So you know our opening question we like, Steve. So I'm going to recenter this one a little bit. So okay. when you're planning this event, you know, there's a lot of creativity that goes into it. You talk about project management, marketing. These are different spectrums of the brain that we're using to piece all this together. But there has to be a creative element into it. And one thing that I noticed joining the conference is you had a very distinctive brand already built out. So I kind of knew what this was. You talk about agenda, knowing what the mental health marketing conference is, who it appeals to all of these different things. So tell us how you stay creative several years in now and get unstuck creatively. Do, do you ever hit that wall where it's kind of like, are we running back the same thing again? Or is what's the, like, what's the next layer to evolve this conference? Hmm. Yeah, there's, I've got one foot in both of those camps and, and try to stay there because sometimes I do, well, I'll back up one step and say, it's almost impossible to beat consistency. And so when I look at some of the best events out there that I really respect and, and try to emulate, um, a lot of them are doing the same thing over and over again in a system that feels to somebody like me that it's a little restraining sometimes. And I do want to be more creative and I do want to change the look. And we have every year, we've changed the look. This year, we're not going to change the look. We're going to keep it the same. Um, you know, that stage set that you had behind you on the main stage, I just fell in love with it. It's, it was not my idea. Um, it was kind of one of those 11th hour decisions, quite honestly, by some advisors, some, are who, some of who are creative and some of who are event experts. And we ended up going with it. And I've never made a better decision in my in my life. I think it's got to be top. No, that's that's hyperbole. But it's it was a wonderful decision because it just set sorry set the stage for everything that we want to communicate. And and the creativity comes back to me. So the consistency is one thing, and and you, it's hard to beat doing the work. The creative side is for me, it comes back to knowing my audience, like really actually knowing the people, uh, whether it's speakers or sponsors or uh, attendees or just the industry at large. So in the mental health space, you know, we attract a lot of executives, marketers and providers, like therapists, for example. Well, therapists are by gender 72% female, um, you know, and the average licensed age of a therapist or a doctor or a nurse practitioner, um, anybody who goes through that length of time to get their licensure is 42 to 50. So right there, you have a demographic. So the reason we do a Japanese tea ceremony is probably twofold. One, it's selfish because I just love the Japanese aesthetic and I 
Um, I just get into that. And there's something to be said for making this event that communicates who I am. You know, I don't need to exclude myself entirely from the room because uh, I do end up setting the tone for the culture. And a lot of that has to do with stripping away titles and stripping away um, who's inside and outside the circle, so to speak. So there's really, um, I kind of destroy the hierarchy as soon as possible. And so I infuse things that I just resonate with um, that maybe I can unpack later um, as to the why, but it's all, it's also, and mostly has to do with the audience that's there and thinking about them actually really embedding and infusing hospitality, which is really in the zeitgeist lately from Will Gadara, but Will worked for Danny Meyer, uh, who was at Union Square Cafe and Union Square Hospitality Group. And he wrote a book, Setting the Table, which is amazing. And he defines hospitality as doing something for someone instead of something to someone. So, you know, simply bringing them their food at a restaurant. Oh, that's doing something to somebody. Here's your food that you ordered. Um, going above and beyond and thinking about them and knowing them as a person and and trying to delight and surprise them in net positive ways. Well, that's a whole another game that keeps me creative and, and keeps the wheels spinning, almost like you're giving somebody a gift, almost like it's like a little Christmas for them, you know, so when they walk up, one, I know you, oh, Andy, you know, it's great to great to know you great to meet you. Now that said, I fumbled, you know, uh, you know, you had a guest there and I was like, oh, I've never met you before, except I did meet you yesterday. Um, so, you know, there's a there's a wabi sabi kind of element too, like this beauty of imperfection because events are for humans, right? And if we extend that either way, loneliness, not to get too dark, but loneliness is a significant silent killer today, you know, and the other extreme connectedness and togetherness is the exact opposite, uh, opposite of that. So events, if possible, do have a magic, I believe, um, that we can't replicate. Um, uh, lots of amazing tools like this, we maybe never would have met without LinkedIn and LinkedIn Live. And this is a beautiful application of how we can connect too. And there's something about the in-person event that I believe in, is very old and, um, and and something that's hard to replicate. So um, yeah, that's the creative aspect. I think I'm getting better at saying, you know, we don't need to change everything every year. Uh, we have some good things going. Let's polish the edges, and then let's do stay creative. And I and I have some ideas for next year that you know whether it's entertainment or education or just connection with other people, how we can do things better. So much to unpack there. I just want to call out a, a few points because you're really leaning into like the innovation mindset here and you're unlocking your creativity. One, removing the titles, that is such a huge tool. I absolutely love it and recommend it because that's really a way for us to like capture more ideas and uh, you know different perspectives and different ideas. Two, I, I think you just beautifully stated how you're remaining flexible and being able to go in this focus and flare mindset and moving back and forth. And when you're doing that, I think you're able to unlock your creativity and capture more ideas. And uh, three, you know, talking about the the end users' emotions. And, and building into that uh, to create this experience. 
So tell I love more, everything that bit. you're saying, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> tell me a little bit more about focus and flair. That's a new term for me. So speaking of design thinking, design thinking, okay. Uh, yeah. So so this is something that we uh, use at the D school when when talking about like uh, going through these these modes, like when you're going through the the process, the experience to get to that end um, end product, uh, and to get to those emotional uh, pieces from the end user. Uh, so it's essentially when we think about it, it's like two modes when you're uh, you're focusing, you're like really uh, leaning into that creative energy and you're thinking about, uh, you know, execution, you're thinking about um, analyzing spe in specific observations, uh, the emotional elements, the interviews, et cetera. And then flaring is like, so thinking about like, you know, spreading out, letting all of those diverse perspectives in, uh, 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 capturing a high quantity of ideas. So like flaring in that creative space, like that, that's the time when we don't want to judge. We don't want to say, oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. It's all about getting all the creativity out there. Hmm. That's fabulous. Yeah, I wrote that down and uh, was listening. And I'll, I'm going to look that up because that's a fascinating idea. And this is why, Jess, you and I, we pair so well on this because Jess, you, with, with what you do at the D School and, and your experience being able to consult in this manner, I feel like my career has been stuck in, in X's and O's for a while, which is great. You know, that's that's how we, you know, built great marketing careers. But Sometimes like getting back to the creativity, creativity, that aspect, limiting the boundaries, thinking it through, I feel like it not only gets me into a more creative space, but it also makes me more efficient because I find like it, it gets me to find that one spot and it gets me back to the X's and O's, but with a creative lens. Um, kind of where I'm going with this, Steve, is what helped me a lot during this conference and the mental health marketing conference is, you know, my fiance, Kristen, she works in the mental health field. So I have a base level understanding, but I admittedly, and I said this during my session, I've marketed in healthcare, but I've not marketed in mental health care. So there's always some nuances to it. And I felt like after three days, my knowledge of learning what this industry goes through and their marketing techniques, whether it be the stigmas, the institutions, Therapists, I don't think about therapists doing a solo practice, doing everything from A to Z. They have to know mental health. They have to know business acumen. They have to know marketing. Like It was just so interesting to me to hear how everything kind of comes together. But the one big takeaway I had, Steve, and I, I'd love for you to, to elaborate on this specifically to the field, is there is this aspect of creativeness, going for it, you know, doing big things, community working together. And I felt like we ripped a lot of that tape off and it allows people in this forum to be able to think in that manner. Hmm. I, I love that that's your takeaway. And I think I may have seen a post-event LinkedIn post from you about that too, as, as one of the takeaways. And that is one of my secret core passions for this is that um, yes, we're a niched down event. It's not for everyone. 
And that has an essence of exclusivity to target people who are focused on mental health and marketing. That's quite the, the Venn diagram overlap. And then once anybody gets inside the room, I think it is for everyone. And at that moment, it's hyper-inclusivity. And we swing that because we, this is my belief, we all need to learn the language of mental health simply because it's been an unspoken language that we're bringing back to life um, or reviving. So, you know, we weren't able to talk about a lot of things over the years, breast cancer, HIV. Well, we just broke through this wall of what is mental health. And there's so much nuance that we could almost put together like an entire year certified course around learn the language of mental health, whether you're at the largest global PR firm in the world, or if you are, you know, an advocate in your own community for your own mental health and others around you, um, both of those people have the potential to make some real waves and some real concentric circle impact out from their core and their center to the people around them. And that's what's truly going to, I think, get us forward because in one minute, you know, basically JFK as part of his sort of Camelot vision was this federal network of mental health and serious mental illness care. And that got fractured um, because of budgeting and other things down to the state level. And the states were not prepared at all for that. They didn't have the resources or the bandwidth or you know the budgeting. And so it's just continued to fracture down. And, and again, I believe, and this is an optimist arc, that the way to knit it back together is from the community up. And as communities figure it out and then knit together with other communities, we're going to have this mental health quilt, this mental health safety net um, for people who are dealing with it, because there's always a percentage of people dealing with mental illness or mental health challenges, and they're not the same people year over year. You know, that cycles through. It's sort of like the unemployment rate. Not everybody is the same group of, you know, that cohort. So, um, and then I've never, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with somebody expressing interest in this conference that didn't also have either lived experience or experience with a family member or a friend like this is this is global like this is a universal topic so um for you to say i got in that room and i'm learning the language and the nuance really actually literally right now gives me chills to hear that because um that's some of the impact we're having regardless of if you're a marketer or if you're in mental health and there's a bridge that way like the mental health practitioners they don't take a marketing class they don't know how to do accounting so there's the business mindset that they lack oftentimes and then the marketers need to learn the language of mental health if you're you know doing any number of things but also there's the humans in the room that we can impact and i'd love to make a plug for you here steve too is we do a lot of consulting, you know, it could be B2B, I do a lot of EDU, uh, I do some, you know, automotive, some travel, like I've mixed around. And one of the most consistent things I hear is we want examples in our industry, we want examples in our vertical, we aren't kind of like apples to apples. And then I feel like what that creates is a lot of people do marketing that everybody else is already doing, which is some, some you know, fine tuned a little bit. I feel like twofold here is one thing, 
is I find it extremely powerful to learn about different marketing verticals because there's something that can always be learned in the experiences that people have in the mental health field that also affects something else you do down the line. I can't tell you the amount of times I've pulled stuff from B to C and made it B to B and I've made it work and vice versa. The other thing is there are so many companies and to your what you're talking about in your marketing that are talking about mental health now, that are celebrating the days on the calendar, that are launching initiatives within their brand, that are doing internal communications for resources for people within their company. But there is a language, a strategy, a technique to speak to this. And I feel like this is so empowering to any company, to any marketer that sees himself diving into that either down the line or they're doing it right now. It's just hearing from different perspectives of marketing and consumers is so, so helpful. And then also, you know, the way to combine technology with it was really interesting to me. So I definitely want to to add that plug and probably, you know, we talk about short form video, you know, we should definitely short form this right here. Some of the things we're talking about because it's, Yes, it's it's niche and that's mental health marketing, but I do think there are things that we can learn across the board that either apply now or later. Yeah. I naturally default that way as sort of a polymath or, you know, a learning wanderer. You know, I'm industry agnostic, really. Like if you look back at my career, I've worked at an email marketing company. I've worked for a you know, a steel manufacturer company. I've worked for um, healthcare brands and uh, creative agencies. And I feel like, yeah, there are many paths up the mountain, of course. Um, and mine is is perfectly acceptable and wonderful to me because having the context of learning from the different ways different people do things. Um, or even when I moved out from California, you know, and started working in the Nashville market, um, you know, that's, that was a culture shock for me in some ways. And as you, as you get better, sorry, I just broke something as you get better, um, with just being open to, uh, the universal experience and the ability to live in empathy with, with people's differences. Uh, I, that's been super helpful for me. Um, there's a guy, Brian Kramer, who wrote a book H to H. He said, it's not B to B, it's not B to C, it's H to H, which is human to human. And he talks about brands being simple, empathetic, and imperfect um, are the three ways to kind of make your brand. And our brand is definitely imperfect. It's definitely empathetic. Uh, we try to keep it as, as simple and straightforward as, as we can while also kind of surprising and delighting along the way. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, we can, we can definitely learn from each other, even the people in the room, you know, we 28%, I just did the audience analysis. So 28% of the people who come are CEOs or uh, principals, founders, you know, executive directors, that kind of title, top level title. And then we attract just as many marketing, advertising, PR titles. So about 28%. And then our next um, cohort is 16% are actually um, essentially sales titles. So out, outreach, they call it in mental health or business development or professional relations, pr relations, all that falls under the sales umbrella. So there's a big opportunity there actually to create more content and speak to them 
Uh, and then we have health systems that come, of course, and um, and then some other C-level titles that aren't CEO, like chief tech officer or chief medical officer, or chief ops, those kinds of people. So it's fascinating because people try to pinpoint me on like, who comes to this you know, who comes to this um, event? And it's a little bit of like a show me and I prove it. And I love the diversity of it, you know, even just from a job title standpoint, because I think one of the, one of the beauties, and I always say this, so I'm sorry if I said it on the last show, but you know, every mountain has a shadow is the idea. So your expertise is quite the mountain that you've climbed and you've drilled into your one topic as, as far as you can. Sometimes you miss the forest for the trees with that approach. And not to say that's wrong, just to say, stay open to the the universal and the community in addition to your, your drilling down into your expertise. And conversely, me as somebody who loves to keep kind of wide-eyed and my optionality in play, I benefit so much from experts that I can just tap into, even if it's just a micro conversation and they lead the way for me in some really smart decisions that took them decades to even get to that point and I benefit from their expertise. So I do think it's a two-way street. Jess, I love it. Community. We talk about that all the time. No matter where we end up, it's always about community. Yes. It was just everything that you two are talking about. I I mean, I, I get chills just thinking about how we're even more, like we need to now be even more connected given everything that is happening in the world. So it's like the, the mental health conversation, the the reflection, all of it. It's it's so vital to um, everything that we do. And uh, Steve, I'm curious with the the CEO uh, owner number, is is that the highest percentage it's been? That's a great question. It is the highest percentage it's ever been. It ticked up marginally from 25% last year. Um, our for-profit number ticked up um, pretty dramatically um, because of the, the private equity that's been flowing into the market and uh, investors and sort of their interest in a return on investment, which I celebrate if it leads to efficiencies in the way a therapist can do work at the top of their license basically and leave the accounting and the marketing to a professional you know i need to do that personally with my own business just for efficiency's sake and it's no different for somebody providing you know mental health care for somebody is that you can't be everything to all people that's a huge that's a huge mistake so yeah um 28 uh, and i'd love to see that number continue to to go up so we're going to design a Actually, we're going to do a one-day CEO ticket next year where, you know, if you have this specific title, you can come to these specific roundtables and network with your peers. You know, I think CEOs sometimes like to talk shop with people who really live and, and work in their similar environments. So that's a that's an adaptation and an evolution that we're going to do this year based on the data that we see coming in and, and maybe the same sort of thing for the sales side. Um, but yeah, we're always, always evolving, but the community aspect is, I, I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's, I can see why you would land on that topic more often than not, because it's, it's so extremely powerful. It, it's just one of those things. Like, I feel like I consult and I try to tell myself, we have to make the numbers make sense. We have to make this audience make sense. And we go through this whole spill and I come back to the end of it 
And always, and I'm always thinking, are you talking to your customer? Or are you building community? Because at the end of the day, the the customer has the answers that you seek more times than not. And it might take years to get there. You may not get all the answers in year one, but I feel like the, the answers are there. And if you're building within that community, it gets you to an end place. So I ask myself when I consult, am I speaking to that? And, you know, I think there's been times I haven't and we're trying to get better and better at that. Um, but with that, Steve, we are closing in on time. So I got one final question for you here today. So this is a big one. Right. And I'm going to tell you the context of why I'm asking this question. I didn't put this in our meeting notes because I wanted to surprise you with this. Okay. And just too, you don't know this. Uh, so there was, when I lived in Houston, before I moved to Pittsburgh, there was something called the Houston Social Media Breakfast. I consider that breakfast, it was a once a month community building event that I went to. I credit that a lot with my career. There were speakers there, you know, I'm 25 year old Andy and I'm seeing a speaker that's a VP of social media, director of marketing, like they're speaking to me. I've never been able to speak to these people. So this is big, big for me. Like I'm learning stuff. I'm with people that are like myself. We share the same struggles. We have this monthly uh, community where, where we talk through things. So I moved to Pittsburgh and I started looking around for things like that. I couldn't find it anywhere. It just, there, there isn't something that's super sound right now. And I started thinking about, you know, how awesome would it be to build a, up a similar community? You know, whether it be breakfast, whether it be a once a year event, I don't know what it would be. And I personally event marketing, Andy, is not is not my specialty. You know, I, I poke the stick on a lot of things, but it's not my specialty. So it's been something I've kind of wanted to do more from in my heart versus my paycheck. And I think it would be gratifying uh, to give back and to also share that knowledge and grow together. So mm -hmm. it was something I thought about during the pandemic. I kind of started it, didn't go through with it. It's been on the you know back burner for a long time. So I ask you as someone that had to build something up from scratch into what it is now and, and work with your co-founder to build this event, what, what advice would you give someone that has an idea like this? And it's going to be a long time before they get it to the point that the mental health marketing conference is at now. But like, where do you start? What are the building blocks for someone who wants to put together an event organization, something like that? Mm, what a fun question. I've thought about this so much. So I love the idea, not your event specifically, because this is a surprise, but I've thought about this concept generally. So one, I love the idea that it's around food. I think that's bonding and brings us together. So the social breakfast club or the social media breakfast club is a, a wonderful concept that I think you should immediately start to act on and start as small as possible to set a baseline because what you're wanting is a, an event that looks and walks and talks a certain way. And it may go there faster than you think um, but the sooner you can start with an iteration, um, I mean, our event was tiny, you know, in 2017, um, 2016, 2015, and, and it grows over time. I think about it a lot like an oak tree, you know, so I said in a post the other day, I want to grow 
a grove of oak trees, I don't want summer squash. And that just says, think long game, and then don't get hooked up on the outcome of the long game. Think back all the way to the process and get hooked on the process. So for you, I would say, how can I get 10 people into a room at some point this quarter with one speaker and some pancakes and orange juice or whatever, and uh, start there as minimally viable product. And then, um, then listen and ask those 10 people, would you like to do this again next month? Um, would you like to invite a person? Um, and if you look back at our marketing, which was absolutely home rolled by me like three, four years ago, it's atrocious. Like it's so bad. It's like the worst Argyle socks you've ever seen in your lifetime. And that doesn't matter because, you know, shitty first draft, minimum viable product, um, those things go a long way when you start to do the work and then, then set a baseline and incremental growth. And I, I tell this people a lot when they're making a decision to exercise, I say, okay, um, 2% better a week is all you have to do. So if you did 20 pushups this week, you do 24 pushups next week. And at the end of that year, you're a hundred percent better um, because it's just two times 50 and two weeks off for the holidays. Okay, wonderful. Do that five years in a row and you're like a powerhouse, like you're yoked. So do that with your event. I would say the social media breakfast club needs to happen as soon as possible, as small as possible. I love it. I have a group set up where we were talking about it back in the day, just the, the COVID timing that made it a little trickier. Uh, but I'm I'm going to revive it. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to post in it this week. We're going to revive it. We're going to get it going again. Steve, I love the idea. So uh, one last note on that, just because it's real life experience. Like this week, I was like cleaning out my basement and we had some like food stocked up from COVID. It was expired. Like it wasn't just like, it was it was expired for years. And so my own mindset was like, wow, COVID has had such an impact. We're talking on it now. And we're thinking about it so much that the food that I bought in emergency purposes is not even good anymore. So it was a lesson for me to like, okay, be a little more open-handed to that and then be ready for the whatever today's reality is, which is, you know, no better or worse, but it's just today's reality. Well, absolutely wonderful, Steve. We're so happy to have you again and so thankful to have been part of this conference. And it's something, you know, if schedules align, I'd love to be back out there again. Love Nashville. First time there. So we enjoyed that experience. But oh my gosh, I'd uh, love to have you back. Definitely. It's it's been a great, great experience. And thank you for taking us through this. We learned a lot today. Oh, uh, thank you both. Yeah, this was again just a delight. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, please let's talk about. 2024 and get you back and uh jess hopefully get you there too that'd be that'd be a lot of fun so we'll see thank you so much steve thanks steve so jess he gets me fired up like <laughs> steve could double as you know the the director executive director of mental health marketing conference and like life coach for all of us because I feel like ready to go run through a wall after he's done speaking to us. Yes. It, 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 it's uh, speaking of therapists, I always feel like that, you know, there's the, the, the clock behind him. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's all the time we have. It, it's like one of those conversations where it goes, it goes by so quickly and you just want to keep, keep talking, keep hearing his perspective. Mm -hmm.
And think about this too, just as a marketer. So Steve is very much a marketing background, you know, business background like us. And he has so much experiences, both in that lens, but brings it to this very human level, which again, I, I think it's something it's important for us to continuously highlight on this program is that it can be brought into this creative human, you know, human to human lens. And sometimes as marketers, I feel like we do everything not to do that. You know, we're, we're so stuck in X's and O's. And I love that he is able to kind of combine both of these perspectives. It brings it together in this very natural light. Yes. And what we talked about, what he's doing on LinkedIn. Yes, he's getting feedback that he may be, you know, posting a lot on this topic and subject, but it's it's absolutely what we recommend doing. The consistency, mm -hmm. the, the telling the story. That's what I would add for you. Uh, based on what I'm seeing Steve doing on LinkedIn, Andy, is to just, even if one other person shows up for the first one, continue yeah. to talk about it socially, continue to ask, like, what would people like to see, continue to invite and welcome those uh, different voices and perspectives to join the community. Yep. Yeah, it's it's one of those things to keep showing up. And that's, you know, something to, that we keep hearing here. I think it's been motivating uh, for both of us, you know, we talk about things that are going on uh, around us out of our control. And, you know, there are things that can can drag you down and can drag me into Netflix land for like four hours a night. <laughs> like, you know, I kind of like wake up. It's like, yeah, I could have been doing a little something. So uh, I love his his way of bringing that together with fitness, because that's something that's been big in our household is, you know, increasing that being healthy, things like that. But I would say, you know, if you just add a little bit, you know, and you take 30 minutes a day, that's a big 30 minutes over the course of time that starts to add up. So, you know, it's just something like this. If you put in 30 minutes a day into some sort of project that you're working on, you know, it may add up into something down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've even seen it. Like we, we, you know, we have the, the experience of being on LinkedIn every single day. We're on it all the time. You know, we, this, this is our organization. We work for LinkedIn and we have even seen Steve's presence, the, the conference it's grown just based on like him posting consistently and telling his story on a daily basis. So it's it's been very rewarding to see uh, when he was first on the show to now, like how the, the, the message, the community has grown just based on how he's, uh, you know, marketing the stories in the event. And I was helping someone out with this uh, not that long ago, just talking about personal branding, posting, doing your thing. And, you know, all of us have that thought, you know, hey, you're posting a lot. Why are you posting? Is it self-serving? Like all these different things. And it, it, I always go back to our episode with Courtney, like something that really stuck with me is she said, if you don't market for yourself, who's going to? And, you know, and when we talk about marketing, it's not even like marketing for like leads or engagement. It's just simply hey, if you feel like there's something to post, it could be impactful to somebody else. Everybody's an expert in something and it could be impactful. And you're never going to please every single person with what you post. That's even just baseline marketing as a company. 
you could be winning the awards. You could be a can. You could do all these things. You, you're like the number one marketer. And there's going to be someone out there that says your marketing is not any good. You know, so it's just, it's one of those things you're always going to have that. And I think with personal marketing, it's the same thing. You know, there's going to be people that might say things, but I think that the majority of people that see content that is helpful, even if they're not commenting, they're they're reading it and they're they're being impacted by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see that with some of the guests we bring on. You know, I try to click like as much as I can, but there's a lot of posts I don't even engage with. And I'm like, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> you know, and, and it's what's led them to be on this program. I was actually thinking about that a few days ago and how that is a, I'll say weird experience with social. Like you, you're going on these social platforms, you're scrolling through a feed. And if you think about it, like, you know, people within your network, if they're posting useful content and we don't like everything, are Mm we, and, but that's like such a, you know, crucial element of the the social media experience. But I always think about it. I'm like, why am I not liking everything yep. that that's, so my that's network such a, is posting? A big piece to my Andy Pondillo philosophy of social media <laughs> is people talk about engagements, clicks, like different things. Like what what should be interpreted as somebody interested in content. I've always said there's nothing more powerful than somebody who stops their scroll and watches a 15 to 30 second video. They may not engage, they may not do anything, but if they turn that sound on or watched it mute and sat through the entire thing, there's something you did that made them interested. So whatever CTA, whatever content, whatever color scheme, whatever humans you're using, whatever you're doing, if the metric you're seeing is that they're watching through the video at a high ratio, there's no better metric out there that exists. You can retarget off of it, which is fantastic. But there's nothing better that exists because there is a large amount of people that are interested in content, I would say much higher than 50% that will never click like, that will never comment, and they may never even click, but they found your content interesting. So I like video a lot. That's to me the most powerful scroll stopper. And it's the one analytic we can look at without somebody having to take an action. But that's my philosophy. That's more that's more ph- philosophical than numerical. And then it's and then it's it's wild saying weird and wild. Wild then like you could continue to post these short videos, like you continue to post this content daily. And then there's a period and then you you have no engagement, like you're saying, mm-hmm. or or like there is video views, but you're not you're not having those clicks. Uh, or the 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 likes, et cetera. And then one day it something changes. And then yeah. you know you you've built your follower base and then all of a sudden you're getting in front of a lot more people and then the likes follow. Yeah. I just I think that's wild too. Like I think you it's just it's just fascinating to me how like you could post 200 videos prior or or like what some of our previous influencer guests have said like they've put po- they posted daily and they didn't see any traction mm-hmm. or engagement and then like one day there's just like a, a a change and a click and then 
that would be a great we should do this let's schedule this for a few weeks from now i would love to do an episode on going viral because there's not a science or recipe to this always and when i did more social media management organic stuff i have gone viral twice based on celebrity engagement so that's a little cheap you know like if you have a celebrity and, and you have a story behind it, it makes it it makes it way easier like you know forget the technique you know you just put the right person on it but i also have gotten a hashtag viral in a local uh houston community where it was number one trending on twitter uh slash x uh so that that could be an interesting conversation though with someone more involved in that industry or just some sort of entertainment style industry and how they've taken things viral and what the recipes are and you know even maybe some of the dangers of going viral so I kind of I don't know that's where my head's at right there like what is the secret sauce of when somebody turns that corner I I wanted your perspective just based on your attendance at the conference and what you were hearing I'm also really curious did anyone talk about like the, now the the balance on using social media to market you know their services uh, to talk about mental health to make to to normalize the conversation, but then also this idea that social media can be the the culprit in yeah mental health the, the mental health space. It was touched on a little bit with some statistics. I don't know if there was a conclusive just answer drawn. You know, this is what, you know, we should be doing. But to be fair, there is no conclusive <laughs> conclusive answer because I don't know if anybody has quite figured out that right mix. But there were some statistics about how Gen Z, how depression rates are much higher, um, the associations with social media to it. Um, body image issues that span off of social media usage. So there were things that were brought up. That's something that I think is just a continual learning for me. Because again, what's interesting about these conferences and a big takeaway is statistics, scenarios, things get brought up that I don't even think about. And, you know, I'm someone who has dabbled in the healthcare marketing industry. So the way you word things, the pictures you show, the inclusivity that you showcase, things like that, they have impact within certain communities and everything you put out there that's marketing, you know, has some sort of perception. So that's still a work in progress for me, admittedly. That's because it it's, it's it's I'll say wild again to think about how there's so many incredible aspects to the technology uh, so many ways in which social media can connect us it can create awareness it it it, it can build community but then also too to to think about how it can be used at, in a negative way and in an evil way and the images and uh, the the videos, et cetera, like that, that connects us in a way where I, I believe it can make this a society or a community anxious, like mm -hmm. as a whole. Definitely. Uh, and just with the events, we can go, I think there's a whole COVID case study we could do about how anxious that got everybody. So 
I 100% agree that another topic, you know, I think that would be a great show to discuss because it's something I just don't, I, I know a light touch on it, but I don't know enough. I don't know if I know the answer enough. So that would be a great discussion in my opinion. Yes, let's let's bring Steve back. I wonder if there's a part three to the Steve conversation. Definitely. We could have Steve on as many, I'd say infinity episodes, and I think we'll learn yes. something new each time. Next week, just as we run running close to time here, Halloween. I want to talk some more Halloween marketing. I want us, my homework over the next few days, is I want to see who's doing it the best this year. I'd love to just do a recap of you know who is doing some of the top Halloween marketing, we can even bridge that into what Black Friday or, or Black Friday month, which should be starting next week uh, for some companies. So I think it could be some interesting topics as we look at some of the seasonal approaches around the marketplace right now. Yes, I'd love to see who's doing it well right now. I, I was a little startled to already see Christmas decorations. Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought it people waited at least until November 1st, but it looks like this year it is already out in full force. See, it's all been forced now. It's like one person did it, one company did it, two companies did it, three companies did it, now everybody does it. And that's, and I did more like e-commerce based stuff. I started running Black Friday ads on November 1st and it's because I felt forced also felt we didn't have the budget to compete on Black Friday because of inventory. <laughs> so I think that it's one of these things that everybody started doing it. And now we get Christmas like on October 15. Oh, man. Yes. I just I, I want to talk about Halloween next week. Yes. Let's, let's let, do that let's, first. Yes. Celebrate one holiday at a time. Or the next. But perfect. Once again, a great episode, Jess. Learned a lot today. And thank you for allowing us to do this recap of the conference. I think it was cool just to kind of put a conclusion to it, talk it through and prepare for next year. So uh, once again, great episode and look forward to keeping the conversation going next week. Sounds good. Talk soon. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.